<laughs> the Pope and I are aligned on this. No dogs in heaven. That would make for yeah. a pretty poor heaven. I mean, you can have, no other living may, things? No, no. May, may, it's, it's not that they that, how about this. I'll, I'll help people feel better about it. It's not that there are no dogs in heaven. You can have your dog in heaven. Bring him with you. Right? Um, but it's, they didn't, it's not like some dogs make it to heaven and others don't. They're all in heaven? This week, uh, we've got a special episode. We're giving you a two-for-one. We're giving you a two-for-one because we had a technical difficulty last week, and even though we recorded a whole episode, it is not available. You will never know what was said in that episode. It was, it was a great episode, VJ. I, I think oh. we can all agree. It was probably our best one yet. You know, Kieran, I was incredibly emotional at the end of that episode. I, I, yeah, was... you got emotional, teary-eyed. Oh. Oh my gosh. I mean, it was and then just, you ended and, with that excellent inspirational speech that, that, you know, has, has kept me going this entire week, VJ. It was I, sad I think that had, it was lost to humanity. Had the world heard that, I think it could have changed some things. I think lives would have been lived this year. I, so I agree with you. So, um, uh, so there's going to be two topics today. Uh, there's going to be dial a soul and how would you frame the second one, Kieran? Color capital, VJ. There's going to be color capital. capital. Yes. Okay. So those are our two topics. Uh, real quick, we do the news. Uh, Kieran, I don't know if you noticed this week. Uh, today, in fact, uh, somebody died. Uh, the person who died uh, was this guy named Perozkin. I'm not sure exactly how you pronounce it. He was head of the, uh, the Wagner Group. Uh, the Wagner Group was a bunch of mercenaries who were working on behalf of Russia and uh, uh, invading Ukraine. Um, oh, he died in the plane crash. He died in the plane crash. Yes, ah. yes, yes. Along with uh, nine nine other people. Um, so I, I was listening to uh, somebody talk about it today, and it was like, well, you know, he did the classic falling out of a window. He just did it a lot higher up than most people. <laughs> you know, and so uh, he's dead. Uh, he wasn't a nice guy. Um. I don't think uh, if he, I don't think he would be available if he was to use our feature that we're about to talk about, and the feature we're about to talk about is something called Dialosol. Did you see how I said that? Let me try again. Ready? That was a dial-a-soul. good segue. Yeah. Dialosol. Yeah. Call one eight hundred Dialosol. That's right. Yeah, I can see it. I yeah. can see a late night vibe to it as well, angle to it. Yeah. But what I'm proposing is an app. And obviously, because I'm a techie nerd, kind of, uh, right? And so um, the idea behind this app is you can use it to call people in heaven. And there's some very interesting scenarios that come out. The obvious one, right, for me, like I would love to talk to my grandmother, you know, and see what she's up to, you know. Um, but as soon as you scratch below the obvious, you know, that you can call loved ones, things can start getting really weird really fast, right? So, for example, um, it'd be very different calling up somebody from, let's say, 20 generations ago, you know, and navigating up your family tree, right? That would be strange. Yeah, right? that'd be pretty now, cool, um, especially because 20 generations ago, 
our method of communication would be super strange, right, Vijay? They they wouldn't speak English like we know it. They wouldn't. They... And, and that's where Do... that's where one of Dinosaur's you know best features comes into play. Oh, and like an add-on, or is this is this in the basic package? Basic. Well, that's a great question, Kira. We've got to work on a good, better, best uh, skewing strategy for this thing. Yeah. But let's yeah. for now let's keep it simple. You know, let's say that it's part of the base package. But one of the things that helps you do is actually translate across language barriers, not just, you know, geographic language barriers, right? But also recognizing the fact that language changes over time. In fact, I think it changes, I want to say like 20% every 100 plus, just over 100 years, something like that. It changes very, very rapidly. Right? And, That's a cool um, stat that I don't, I'm not going to ask that, you to back up, but I, I think that sounds right to me too. Yeah, well, I'll give you some data points that, that say that it might be true, right? And so one of the data points is one of the challenges with putting spies into North Korea is that the Korean language has already forked uh, quite significantly, and uh, it doesn't take long for the North Koreans to figure out they're actually talking to the South Korean. Wow. That's yeah, pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and that's not been that long. Um, Since I've been on this weird partition India history trip, yeah. uh, do you think, has it appreciably changed between India and Pakistan? Or do you think there's enough intermingling of, like, f not former Indian, but Indian and Pakistani nationals outside who go back to Pakistan and India and kind of re -in, like re revitalize yeah. the language so that they're kind of still kind of, they're pretty close? Well, I mean, if I look at uh, Punjabi, kind of like the, the language I speak poorly, right? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I'll talk kind of occasional phrases with, with a friend of ours, with a common friend of ours. And it's a little bit of a struggle. He, he grew up in, in, in Pakistan, in, in Karachi, right? And so it's a little bit of a struggle. And, but there are many root causes of that struggle, right? One is my grasp of language is poor. Two, I learned the language from rednecks and he learned the language from educated people. Yeah, right. And three, yeah. you know, I didn't grow up in India or Pakistan, right? And but then you layer on, you know, these countries have been apart for seventy-five years, right? And you know, it's it's so there's there's reason for it not to work that well. Yeah, that's um, a shame. But I'm, mm. I'm glad Dilosol kind of fixes that for us, right? I think that's a yeah, that's yeah. a key value prop is being so, able to communicate with them. So kind of working up the family tree. Right, where things get really interesting. There are a couple of things where, a couple of ways where it gets really interesting. One of the ways it gets interesting is if you, um, try and get a hold of somebody and they're just not listed because the implication of them not being listed is that that particular person didn't make it to heaven. Right. And this app is only for people who made it to heaven. So you could work out who made it and who didn't. And. I think, you know, one of the questions that comes out of that uh, uh, is, are most people in heaven or is the acceptance criteria quite high? Yeah, that's, that's right? a tough one. Right. And so, you know, I think we're all basically decent people and we should get in. That's, that's, that's my take on it. Right. Oh, um, man. I, I got to disagree, BJ. I, I think, I think heaven needs to have some sort of, you know, ranking system. And ideally, the 
the admissions rates to heaven are, are you know, pretty small. I don't, I don't want everyone getting into heaven and overcrowding the place. Actually, think about it. If the, if the bar is kind of low, there are these souls worrying around, around heaven who always kind of hate that one dude. Right? Yeah, Can it really just, be heaven if that one dude is there? Maybe he changes once he gets to heaven. And if he's changed... Is he the same? Is yeah. he the same? Wow, it's getting weird. It's getting weird. Right? Um, yeah, so, I think only only the yeah. best and the most interesting people, only the people you'd want to see in heaven should be in heaven, Vijay. Well, that, that leads to my mirror image problem, right? So we could have these expectations that certain people are there and they're not, right? And perhaps they are harboring some deep, dark secret, right, that never that we never really knew. Ooh. Right? Um, so. I think as a service, Vijay, Dial of Soul, mm-hmm. it, it should kind of return one of those automated uh, statements, right? You've tried reaching so-and-so auntie. Mm-hmm. However, she is not here because she stole 10 rupees from a, from a temple donation box yeah. when, when yeah. she was 16. Like, you, you want reason. Oh, it would tell you why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, wow, that would be interesting. I like, think that's an actually, important feature. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I think one of the interesting things that, that happens with this is um, perhaps it makes us better people. I think your, your capability helps make us p- better people because you look and you go, oh, shoot, I really shouldn't do that because, look, it kind of came back to bite her. Yeah, Auntie's yeah, not dying. Cha- it changes these people's legacy, Yeah. Know? Auntie, who was always vegetarian and was always kind of like, you know, you know, doing that puja first thing in the morning. She didn't make But, but let's face it. She was a bit judgmental. She was a she bit was judgmental. Judgy. She was judgy. She, she, always wanted she to be was the, not cool with She always wanted to be at the front when the, when the bhajans were on. Like, she wanted to be front and yeah, center. Yeah. You know? She wanted to be in all the pictures that's of, right. the budget, of the bhajan group. She, yeah. she hogged she the mic over- a little bit too, didn't she? That's right. And she was over dripping <laughs> a bit when she'd come out to, you know, like, so... Yeah, I so I I think it might help us become better people. Like it, it would force us to reflect on the way we are, and you know those kind of little things that we do, and <laughs> and and you know those are they are bad. You can pretend they're not, but they're not good. No. You know, having your child lie and say they're under twelve when they're fifteen, not good. Ooh. Just so you can save five bucks on a ticket. That'll that'll send you straight down. So it could make us better, or it could make us resigned. And we could all become like, hey, let's just live for the now. Wouldn't it be kind of dispiriting, though, as a currently alive person, you call successive generations, and you realize yeah. that just not one person in your family nope. has made it. <laughs> just, oh, my God. <laughs> you just keep calling. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah. my God, one of these people should have been up there. Mm. That could be a morning show kind of thing, right? Where you go, you know, uh, and today we have our guests. You know, hellacious D, right? Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You can have like two guests side by side, right? One of them is like, you know, my family has been in heaven for a hundred straight generations. Exactly. And the other one is like, we're over a hundred, but we think we're about to make a breakthrough this time. We're about to make it. And, and entire families would celebrate just that yeah. one ancestor that just made it. They're like, yeah, this yeah. was our first, first person in heaven. Actually, you could do a little, um, a little dashboard in the app to see how you're doing and are you on track or not? And what do you need to do to make it right? 
Oh, but this is VJ. This is uh, this is an old idea for us. Uh, actually, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it right? does. It, it, yeah. Which yes. one is this? And, You're right. Uh, we did touch on it. Listeners, if you if you'd like to find this idea, we we explored this in more detail. Was it heavenly? Uh, heavenly. Was it helper? heavenly helper? Yeah, it was heavenly helper. Did that one yeah. actually do that? I can't remember. I have to go back and look. Well, um, so we had a a heavenly the first God powered app, and then we yes. discussed making it into an API and an ecosystem of services yes. that helped you get into heaven. This is uh, um, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, there's there's good you know synergy between these two ideas. I think mm, we can mm. introduce them separately. So, so the the other thing, because I'm really mindful, and we want to stay on point today. Today's episode is going to be shorter, but it's going to be dense. It's dense. Two weird thoughts for the price of one. What a great idea. I mean, yeah. we might have to just relabel ourselves two weird thoughts just for today. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll see what we can do with the album art to make that oh, happen. But so, um, so the other thing that I think gets really interesting is as you work your way up your family tree, is there a certain point prior to which there's nobody making it to heaven because no – religious revelations have happened up until that point. And so because they haven't read, you know, the good book, whichever good book it is, uh, nobody's qualified. Hmm. But th this depends on how we kind of view heaven. Are we saying it's so in your mind, heaven is an explicitly religious thing. It, or it, we actually tried to tackle this question in the heavenly helper episode, but mm -hmm. for each religious group, heaven would mean a different thing mm -hmm. uh, in their minds. But, and I'll just tell you my opinion. I think there is the universal ideal of people who get into heaven. Mm -hmm. I, so you can be atheist, you can be mm -hmm. uh, whatever, whatever religious, mm -hmm. uh, you know, provocate, you, you pick, right? Mm -hmm. But every one of those books would disagree with you. Yes. So you can imagine like the follower of one of those books just none of showing them up in, showing up in heaven yeah because they've done a, they've done a good favor effort right they're like hey we really believe this this is the right instruction book right and so they've done the stoning of you know of adulteresses and things like that right like they're supposed to with good faith and conviction <laughs> right and and so now they they get into heaven because they've done the right thing in the yeah but like anything in this world and in the afterworld, VJ, it, it takes a little bit of luck, right? Not not everything is complete good faith effort. You can good faith effort all you want here, and you might still end up poor and sad. And you picked the wrong religion. You picked the wrong instruction manual. I'm sorry, VJ. I, this, that's to me. That's how it works. This this is See, how a dial dial a soul should work. <laughs> okay, so. So going a bit further with this lunacy, right? Let's assume that your version of heaven is correct, which, which by the way, like intuitively makes sense to me, right? I feel like I should get in. Yeah. Why do you need you know? to follow a good, uh, a good book to get in? Right. Which by, by the way, would probably annoy my religious friends when they see me up there. Yeah. Like what, what's this guy doing here? Yeah. yeah. You should never get. You should have seen the book. God, you should have seen the books he had in his uh, in his living room. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, uh, so be annoyed to. But, but the question I was going to ask is: let, Let's go with our kind of. Is this universal kind of goodness, 
right? And, you know, if you're kind of good in the truest sense of the word, you're going to get in. Yeah. Because you and I are people who, who are bought into science, right? Um, we, you're born into evolution, right? I'm assuming. Yeah, sure. Just, just, just making sure you never know. Good. I don't want to be that presumptive. Right. Well, and thank so, you for checking. I'm glad you checked. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. I'll check on your pronouns later on as well. Uh, so, um, um, so if, if we kind of take that back to its logical conclusion, right? We go, okay, we just follow our evolutionary tree and I'm calling higher and higher up my, my tree at some point. I'm crossing this boundary, this kind of human animal boundary. That's right. And wouldn't it be weird to talk to the first human who made it into heaven? Yeah, I, I actually think it'd be really hard to tell who was first. Because, VJ, I think animals should go to heaven. Karen, Karen, Karen. The Pope said no. There's no dogs in heaven. No dogs are getting into heaven. He's been clear on it. He has. Right? And, and I'm, with the, I'm with the Pope. I'm You're with, with the pope. pope on this one? You're not with the Pope with many other things, right, Rejo? The Pope and I are aligned on this. No dogs in heaven. Because... That would make for you, a pretty poor heaven. I mean, you can, no other living may, things? No, no. May, may, it's, it's not that they that how about this. I'll, I'll help people feel better about it. It's not that there are no dogs in heaven. You can have your dog in heaven. Bring them with you. Right. Um, but it's, they didn't, it's not like some dogs make it to heaven and others don't. They're all in heaven. They're all in heaven. They're all running around as chaos. Right. And, um, I don't like that either. Right. But right. They're, they're only there. They're like furniture. Like, let's just say you can have your favorite armchair in heaven as well. Right. And just mm. like your favorite armchair gives you comfort, your dog gives you comfort and therefore your dog's in heaven. It's not that your dog was so altruistic uh, that, you know, your dog, you know, would always bring your slippers or if he's an Indian dog, he would always do his puja in the morning uh, and uh, uh, eat just one little piece of uh, prasad uh, each morning uh, and no more because he was very pious. Uh, it's very not pious that. Dog. It's, just, no. it's just he's your average dog and he's going to serve a useful function in heaven. That's why he's coming. He's going to help the people who got there feel better about being there. It's going to be interesting. His presence is going to make them happier. It's not that he's a particularly pious dog. Okay. But so you're saying there's now a first human that made it to heaven, right? Yeah. And that's they, what I think. Well, okay. Let's go with that. They're basically rock stars in heaven right now, right? Because they've, they were there when it was just pure white for all the, uh, as far as the eye can see, just pure white clouds and Wait, from, ephemeral yeah. feelings. I'm assuming time's a bit complicated in heaven, but for argument's sake, I don't think he'd be by himself very long at all. No, he wouldn't. Yeah, they wouldn't be by themselves. Yes, yes, good long. point. Because I think I think that it's very likely that you we had a group of people, you know, go in. They probably died around the same time. Like I could see a village just getting wiped off, wiped away in some sort of like tsunami event. And they were probably the first. We probably didn't have villages back then. It was probably like a cluster of trees close to the beach that housed mm. close to human 
that humans that had just developed language, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know about developed language yet. I I think, and I've you think you have to have language to go to heaven. You you have to have language, VJ. Language is like the basic of thinking. It's the basics. If you don't have language, then you're basically, are we not animals? How do you have a moral thought? How do you have a moral thought without language? Anyway, so this tidal wave comes, washes out this entire tribe, right? Mm-hmm. Some of them make it to heaven. So I think it's a group event. I think it's likely a group event. I could see why it could be a group event. But, I, but my rationale for saying that they would be all popping up very quickly. Yeah. Well, see, I think where it goes wrong, Karen, is from an evolutionary perspective, the first human shows up. You've got to have two of them to show up to make a third human. They're not having babies in heaven, Vijay. What are you talking about? No, no, no. I'm saying I'm saying the first human shows up. The first human dies before the second human shows up. Oh. There's no breeding going down to make I the see. third human. I was like, wait, we need two humans in heaven to just make babies? Okay. Um, no, no, no. I would say there's probably many, close to a hundred thousand... Like, I think we need to have critical mass of humans in the world to even start having ethical behavior, VJ. Um, how, how do you develop, how do you develop language without some critical mass of humans to like talk but, to? But, and, okay. If you, if you've got human number one, yeah, there's still some moral choices that a human has to make, right? Like, let's say he sees this animal. And it's not that he's particularly hungry. He just he could bash his head in, or choose to let it go because he doesn't need it. Mm. So even yeah. even without any other humans there, he's got to make some moral choices. I think. I somewhat disagree because I think ethics comes from your treatment of other conscious creatures, right? And if you've got no one else to like mistreat. You can sort of mistreat animals, Vijay, you're right. But can you ethically serve animals well enough to get into heaven? Or do you need some redeeming quality for other that, conscious That goes beings? back to our entrance criteria, right? Like, is it a high bar or a low bar? I feel like in your world, if it's a high bar... Yeah, they're not getting you've got it. To have, yeah, you've got to have some other people because you've got to prove yourself. Yeah. Right? Uh, I don't want just like what? a... A, like an animal lover in heaven that just didn't do anything for fellow human beings. Okay. So, so, but these folks were living in tribes from day one, right? Cause as pre-humans. As pre-humans. Yes. They yes. were already tribing it up. Right. So. I don't have a, you know what? I don't have a good model for like thinking about how humans kind of came to be. I almost, I know this is going to sound silly and it has no basis in reality, but I, the story I sort of believe is Mm -hmm. that, you know, we reached a critical mass of, let's say half a million human like thing, human like Mm -hmm. animals. Right. Yeah. And it is weird, but like in the course of a few years, they lit up with like some level of conscious thinking. Like it was all at the surface and then just through weird bits of communication and language, they started like developing consciousness, not through a evolutionary mechanism, but 
the evolutionary capabilities, like they were biologically capable of language for mm. a few generations, maybe. But mm -hmm. then it just sort of lit up within the course of a few years. I know it's silly, but that's how I kind of think about it. Um, I mean, that model, VJ, yeah. you would have... Heaven would be stocked with at least a few thousand pretty quickly. You got 500, huh? You got 500,000 to pull from. What do you okay. think? Well, so, so clearly we show our lack of understanding of anthropology, right? So... So yeah. my, my we are two non-anthropologists. We're just two doing? dudes just bullshitting right now, right? So, so my my last one is because we have to pivot over to to our other thought, right? Is the way I see it is you take your pre-humans, a few of them successfully breed genuine humans, right? But within one tribe, right, there's one human, and there might not be another human anywhere near this human. Okay. Right. That, right. And so, therefore, they don't have a chance to practice their humanity on other humans, but they can practice it on their pre-human relatives. Yeah. So that would be okay. So that would get them in, maybe. Oh, so in your model, you yeah. you have a lower bar for heaven. We've already discussed this, VJ. So okay. So your your heaven would be initially much lonelier than my heaven. Yeah. It well, would take it would take a few hundred years to like really populate it with enough to like build up a, yeah. a small town, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's uh, that's dinosaur. Uh, we got to pivot very, yeah, very a, dramatically. That was a cool idea, VJ. I uh, I have another one that's I think more of this earth of this realm, and that is the fact that I think governments. Are losing out on revenue every every year. They're not they're not successfully capitalizing their assets. And in this case, the asset VJ is the visible color spectrum. And my here's my thesis. I think governments have successfully capitalized the radio frequency spectrum. So like the FM and AM, as well as um, like the unlicensed bands are 2.4 gigahertz and the 5 gigahertz, right? That's why Wi-Fi is on them. But 5.8. 5, 5 yeah. Uh, well, those are the unlicensed bands, but I think what is it? The 2G spectrum was. Oh my god, I'm going to get all these radio frequencies wrong. But oh, um, <laughs> so basically. Everything from radar till FM and AM is licensed or regulated. And I just think it's, it's a missed opportunity. Visible light is the most valuable frequency there exists, right? And this is a, to me, this is like a $100 billion lost opportunity just in the United States. What do you think? That's a weird thought. Yeah. That's a very, very weird thought. Uh, I, I can tell so, you what spurned it, right? The, the city centers of these Latin American cities. Yeah, the centers of these Latin American cities and South American cities, especially we were just in uh, Lima and before that Santiago displayed the same characteristic. I don't know much about our current city because we just got here a day ago, but I believe 
the city centers are kind of um, hallowed grounds. They're expected to be designed with some level of somber aesthetic. Like a really, they look really good, Vijay. When you go to these places, mm-hmm. there's no garish branding. There's no in-your-face billboards. Um, they have a they have a level of gravitas that I think is just it's just pleasing to the eye. You you go to these plazas, you look around. Most of the colors are natural colors, like green and uh, like earthy tones. And then all the all the branding is black and white. So even McDonald's signs, Starbucks signs, there's no there's no color on displayed on the outside of these these, these shops. I think that's a little bit much. If I'm being fair, right? I think they've mm-hmm. just kind of banned it from the city center and it just kind of moves out. But to me, a successful brand depends on color. And I think these companies are going to be willing to pay top dollar to be able to use their brand and then prevent anyone else in the city from using that color within city limits. It, right? it reminds me of, you know, the whole Vanta Black and it was Vanta Black and something pink. And uh, what happened was there was a company that invented a color uh, called Vanta Blank. Vanta oh, Blank. yeah, yeah, yeah. Super black but, coating. Right. And I kind of, there's a pink as well. And so when Vanta Black was created, there was this one artist who got exclusive rights to use that color. And that annoyed this other artist. So he came up with this pink, and I can't remember the name of the pink, and I'm too slow a typist. And when he did the licensing for the pink, he made that pink available to every human on Earth, except for the person who had the license for Vanderbilt. That's so awesome. Yeah, yeah. Wait, um, so it's licensed to a gentleman. Vanderbilt <laughs> is licensed to Anish Cooper's, uh, sorry, Anish Kapoor's, so an Indian dude. Uh, his, yeah. his student for artistic use. So now I'm just going to look up Anish Kapoor pink. Yeah. This is amazing. Uh, the world's... There's an online art war. This is fantastic. I, I had no idea, Vijay. Okay, so apparently it's the pinkest pink versus the blackest black. And we lose you, Karen. Oh, did you lose me? Oh, we just lost you for a sec. But you're back. Okay. Did you find I, did you, you found the pink? I'm finding something. I'm finding the fact that it's basically the pinkest pink versus the blackest black. Yeah, yeah. So Vanta Black was licensed, and that was the blackest black. And now the pinkest pink. was is called and now i'm having to read through uh an article to figure this out stuart Semple. i see he created something called the pinkest pink oh and he i don't think he's not he hasn't named it but he's calling okay he's calling it the pinkest pink so there's nothing it's it's not like vanta black it's pinkest pink and he has sold it, and he is selling it on his website. Oh, I'll, fi- I'll find the one I'm looking for. Um, but uh, many the, questions. The website for you. literally says 
I am not Anish Kapoor and I am happy with cookies. And so to, to get to the website, yeah. which we'll put in the show notes. It's hilarious. Oh, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, th- this is great. So uh, I, I have many questions for you, Kira. Go for it. Um, one is, are all the colors priced the same? No, this is the beauty of it. I think we need to have a yearly auction. Every, every okay. wireless spectrum is similar. Maybe a year mm. is too often. Uh, for example, the 2G scam in India that I cover mm. a little bit in the essay, that was for 20 years of, of rights. But I think mm. it's done, it, it's for 20 years because they need to encourage investment. Here, the investment is just painting over a sign. So to me, like a year seems okay. A year of use. So, so but what does it mean to use it? Like, I have... Yeah, a tissue box that is orange and different shades of orange. And I own this tissue box. In a year's time, it'll still be the same color. What did I pay for? Yeah, but no, no. The the brands that are going to buy the color, VJ are those yeah. that have a physical presence on the streets of your city and need display board hoardings. It's specifically for display boards. Yeah, yeah. You, I, got I don't. You. I don't care if someone in the comfort of their home buys a Coca Cola sign. Coca Cola now doesn't own doesn't owe the city money. It's yes, only if yeah. Coke has a has like a series of vending machines all across right. the city. Right. They need to pay for that. And I see. What'll be really fun is driving up the price of that Coca Cola red. You know. To really hurt Coca-Cola? Just hurt Coca-Cola. Make them pay. Wait, so all of a sudden Fanta becomes a much better deal. And then Fanta just takes off. Who knows? This could change the game, VJ. Wait, so does 7-Up then always have the best price? Because, what, it has crap colors? Or it's like... 7-Up is clear. No, but 7-Up branding... Oh, the branding is clean. Yeah, it's it's got green, it's got a little red. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I see. Branding I see. will have to substantially change because I can see like a little shade in the seven up. I think we should be yeah. okay with shading, right? Like I think you just have to buy the primary colors. Um I'll leave that up to like implementation details. But well, if uh, you do shading though, you know, like you can kind of RGB it with RGB codes. Yeah. You can sell like kind of every combination, right? You buy you're buying a specific combination or a range so you get a shade, right? Of of colors. And that gives yeah. you more stuff to license, right? You, you can't just license primary colors. There's not enough of them. No, but it, it would be licensing heck, like RGB colors. And right. there are roughly, actually not, yeah, there are roughly 16 million hex codes to sell. That's, that's good. That's substantial. Yeah. And then do but, you think, how about this? Can I sub-license it? Like, would there be these guys who are... Um, color carriers yes and who who license out their color i think you should be able to yeah because then that's i think that's how coke gets around everything well do they why would they how would they get around everything like because one sub license guys bought it but for every display of it you're going to pay money for every public display of that color 
doesn't matter whether you bought it from a sub-licensor, right? Yeah, I think we're going to have to figure that out. You know, like mm. it, it might be a certain number of uses or it could be a certain quantity of the city. Like is it- you could use all of the color up on like one massive bu- uh, billboard or mm. you could like sprinkle it about on multiple stores. Who knows? Um, and then you can resell the rest. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I wonder if it, it changes the nature of art, Karen, because like doing something like a Monet would get really expensive. If you want to put a Monet up in a public space. Well, if you wanted to, yes, if you wanted to brand a building, because again, it's like specifically revenue generating branding that mm, makes sense mm. to pay for this, right? So right. I, don't, I don't know. I feel like art is not going to get affected. I think the branding well, well, of certain products are going to get affected. Yeah, so so replace the word art with creative endeavor, right? So if you take, suppose there's some brand that wants to do something very trippy, right? It seems like it would be very expensive for them to do that now, right? Because, but then maybe that that gives them cachet because it looks different from all the other brands because they spent money on it. Yeah. We we could help them in a way. how cool would it be if these brands, if if they buy like a $20,000 color, sorry, why did I say $20,000 like a lot of money, like a $20 million color for, and by the way, kind of riffing off of our previous point in like a previous one weird thought, I think this should be city-based. So I don't think you're buying the colors for like all of the United States. Yeah. You're buying it just for Seattle and you pay... Because Seattle is the one who's going to like enforce the rules and they're the ones who have the population mm. and you want to figure out so like. You're, you're, I think that's where you end up with third party brokers, because if you don't like trying to do a branding with consistent coloring, like at an international level. Yeah. It's going to become be mission impossible. Extremely maybe difficult. That, but maybe that's good for, for humanity. I think so, VJ. You know how boring it is to go to every city and it's like the same colors Mm -hmm. because Coke, Starbucks, McDonald's is everywhere, right? So Mm. from a design point of view, those companies have affected the color spectrums without any real, without any real care for the aesthetics of the the locations that they're at. Most cities you go to operate like this. Okay, you're back. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's still recorded. So let me just repeat the, like, the piece I'm saying is like these brands don't really care about the local aesthetics, right? Yeah. Yeah. They have just, they've optimized for consistent branding. And what Mm, that ends mm. up doing is now all these cities and towns look the same. Like from a color and feel perspective, it's hard to get different vibes, even though if you really get to know a place, the vibe of each city is very different. Um, yes. It's just a, so, a feeling you get. It, it, you know, what would be interesting is like each city has its aesthetic, right? And then they price in a way that reflects their aesthetic. hundred percent. Yeah. I love it. Right, which would be really good. By the way, do, are you charging for black? And are you charging for white? That's a, that's a great question. I think those should be reserved. You know how you have like reserved yeah. keywords yeah. In, a, in a programming language or mm. yeah, those are reserved. Those are like, 
free almost like those those colors shouldn't be charged for uh for brands i think everyone needs black lettering or white lettering mm-hmm. um and i obviously that's not going to be like the black in hex or the white it'll be a range of things so that'll that'll lower the the amount of uh hex codes we can we can sell but i think i think we're good we might pick some other colors that are useful to the city that they're reserved city colors like if you have a city flag maybe you want to reserve that color so nobody else takes it what if it, it changes the nature of advertising they're like wow doing visual advertising is really expensive now we have these audio billboards that are just yelling stuff into spaces man vj this is why we do this i i had not thought about that but that's an that's an excellent way to poke a hole in this because absolutely maybe maybe this would actually cause more problems than it solves <laughs> so uh, now you're, you're no longer <laughs> being visually assaulted you are yeah. being yeah sonically orally yeah yeah, yeah assaulted um yes uh that sounds bad but um, i had one more thought and that was you have these fancy glasses these AR glasses. Yeah. Are they AR? They're not really AR. They take pictures. They're not AR. They just take videos. Um, right. It seems like we're getting close, though. Huh? You know those Ray-Ban glasses that you have, Kieran? Yeah. Are they are they augmented reality? Can you see stuff out there that we don't see? No, no, no. Those are just... They just take videos. Okay. But I'm saying... I think other glasses... We've already seen Google Glass years ago do it. But yeah. especially after Apple released their product i think like maybe we're like decades away which would be kind yeah. of interesting from what, what i was thinking where i was going with it is as you look at something the glasses project color onto your eyes without ever ever involving the, uh, the billboard that's right yeah and it would save it would save the company money yeah and like that'd be actually pretty cool at some point we might get a the technology could be so good that companies stop investing in branding in the in the physical world. So mm. that actually gives people who don't want to be advertised to they can just take off the glasses. But and we're all walking around. We're all walking around with that different version of reality. Yeah, but maybe our maybe our uh, advertising becomes not just uh, like it, it takes on the next level of personalization, which is individual colorization and each of us perceives a brand differently because we see the brand as being shaded differently. That's already the case though, right, Vijay? Yeah. Yes. Like I see your point. Yeah. You, you perceive red maybe slightly different than I do. Yeah. Each of our retinas. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fair point. Man, a, a dream of mine would be if we had glasses like this, we could make them somehow enhance low light vision. Like they could mm. somehow um, capture the a different light spectrum. And mm. because we have like virtual billboards and like other ways of navigating the city, we could turn off street lights or make them super high re- highly directional so they don't affect the night sky. Oh, yeah. And then we get back stars in the city. Oh, yeah, I love it. I think the alternate to that is 
there's going to be a an app for glasses so that you can look up and it'll just project the stars where they should be. <laughs> it just seems wrong. That's so awful. I know. It but feels it's, so bad. The opposite it, feels bad, but you know, we were doing so well today, Karen. You just uh, you just did a downer on this on our I know. How, how are you going to uplift our audience with your closing thoughts on this? Uh, I'm going to go back to the thought that removing all these colors, I think technology has the potential over the next few decades to actually make our life simpler. I think mm. it's gotten to the point where a lot of people feel like it's extremely complex. It's actually more irritating than it's worth. I, I certainly got there with Alexa at some point and, um, but I'm having some like really good experiences with technology recently. And I, I think over the next few decades, it's going to go through like a simplification process. Uh, see, I feel think, more I like magic. See, I can see different cities reacting differently. Like some being like very garish because they're trying to maximize revenue for their city. You could see Vegas. Vegas yeah. is going to be, I mean, but that's the vibe of the city. Yeah, if they yeah, want yeah. to be super in it your face, it becomes part of the culture. Yeah, it's part of the culture to just have like yeah. over, like super vibrant, yeah. uh, you know, neon green and yellow all over. Mm. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, I think other uh, other cities are not going to care about the revenue, but they they care about some level of aesthetic, and they're mm -hmm. like, hey, mm -hmm. we. And in the end, maybe everyone cares about revenue, and this actually just. Expedient. I don't know. I mean, like if if you look at cities like Smash or Redmond. Like Sammamish for the longest, Sammamish has like real limits in terms of how you can develop here. Yeah. Right. Even though it'd be from a tax based perspective, it'd be more lucrative if they develop differently, you know, with more density. Yeah. I think. Right. So, th so the city does things that. It's know, hard isn't to predict. Yeah. The most financially rewarding. Yeah. No, no. It's so not, it's not this the was most a fun financially one. rewarding. This was a really fun one. So, yeah. audience, two for one, you know, two what for great one. value. And it, you know, if you found one of these ideas or both very interesting or thought provoking, please write in your comments, thoughts, suggestions to onewierdthought at gmail.com. Uh, follow us on, actually, we don't have X anymore, but follow us on Instagram at onewierdthought. Uh, we're, we're available on email, social media. Uh, yeah, so, we do all the yeah. normal things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Substack. You can leave us sure. a Substack yeah. comment. Yeah, sub on Substack. Yeah, not threads. We're not doing threads yet. We're not doing threads yet. We were thinking about it, but you know. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, great, great talk. Hey, thanks for thanks for uh, taking the time. I always yeah, look forward to our chats. So fun. All right. Yeah. See you, Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.